What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Black Expat Podcast. My name is Carl, and I am excited to be rocking with you guys for yet another very special episode. One thing I want to point out, thank you to everyone who tunes into my live broadcast. Everyone that has liked, subscribed, become a patron if you haven't already, click the only link in this description, or simply go to my Podbean page and become a patron of the Black Expat Podcast. But thank you guys for always tuning in and rocking with me and giving me, asking me questions, giving me amazing feedback. Because for this particular episode, I want to address a question that I was asked and a very great discussion I've been having over the course of the past week um, around voting right about the right to vote first my sister my little sister angel she was talking about it a few uh, a few weeks ago we were on the phone just the trouble and the issues that she was having uh with just being able to register to vote uh, and this is back home in america right because she is originally from illinois and now she's living in georgia and you know just the process of getting you know your, your like everything transferred over and getting registered and set up to vote um has been a little bit daunting for her and then I started to think. First, someone said, uh, and I don't know if this is true, but I'm definitely going to check the accuracy on this. So if you're listening, you know, uh, send me a message. It'd be quicker for you to verify, for me to verify if you can do that. Um, whether or not people in other countries, I think someone from Canada said, uh, having to register to vote in and of itself is voter suppression. And again, I didn't fact check it at the time, but it's something that came up. I'm going to fact check it, but it was interesting. And if it's true, it's even more interesting. It's like, man, other countries, I mean, that when you think about it like that, the process of registering to vote for some people is a lot. It's a lot of work. Um, so that is that in and of itself voter suppression. Now, I understand why in a country as big as America and even other countries, why registering to vote is important you know, to prevent voter fraud, the second and the third. So I'm not saying that. It's just, you know, something to think about, uh, something I saw that I hadn't didn't have a chance to fact check. But voting as an expat. So yes, we want to talk about voting, but voting as an expat also led to a bunch of different questions um, about, hey, someone was like, you know what? You haven't been living in America for quite some time. Uh, why do you or why should you as an expatriate still have your right to vote? Um, and then I, I posed that question and I was asked that question. I said, you know what? That's that's a pretty damn good question. Um, uh, why, you know, why should we have the right to vote? Now, I have my own opinion on this, but I wanted to play both ends. You know, I wanted to discuss both ends of the spectrum. I'm going to not have my opinion kind of dominate it, uh, what I think. But I, I definitely thought about it in many different ways because I brought up things like taxes, residency, maybe voting with stipulations or regulations or restrictions. Um, and then like the fairness and the accuracy of voting if you're voting from abroad. Um, but then, you know, people were like, well, what about if you're studying abroad and, you know, you're above 18 and you still get your right to vote, even though you're not physically um, in America. And then like what if expats on the verge of deciding whether or not to return? That matters. And then uh, how does voting impact us as expats? So there was a lot of different ways, uh, you know, to, to, to think about it, to address this and to, and to view it. Uh, and I definitely want to get into that. But today um, I am very honored and thankful to be joined by someone um, who's been doing a lot of work around voting and works with a very influ influential and powerful woman who also does a lot of work or is very, very much devoted to um, voters' rights and things like that back in the home front uh, in America. So without uh, further ado, I will allow her to reintroduce herself. She has been on the podcast before. If you've been tuning in, getting real about mental health in the black community. That was an amazing podcast. If you haven't listened to it, go check it out. But uh, without further ado, I will allow her to introduce herself. Hi, everyone. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Hi, uh, my name is Chelsea Hall. I am the advisor to Stacey Abrams. 
and I'm also the director of Culture, Media, and Entertainment Partnerships for Fair Fight Action, which is a C4 voting rights organization specifically focused on mitigating and stopping voter suppression um, that we see across our country here in the U.S. And I am just so excited. I'm going to take off my professional voice and just say I'm so excited <laughs> to be back with you, Carl. <laughs> I love you so much. I miss you. Um, I call him Carlo. Jesus and Mero calls him Carlo, so I'm going to call him Carlo. Uh, but I'm just really, really excited to be here. I've been working in politics since, uh, Carl, our days at DePaul University. And as soon as I graduated from college in 2013, I immediately started working for leader Stacey Abrams. I was her... Uh, legislative aid moved into doing a lot of voter um, voter engagement as well as fundraising for state parties across our country. Um, and I was a consultant for many years, and then I became a leader Abrams' top advisor when she ran for governor of Georgia. And I have stayed in that role and moved and moved into that space when we uh, launched Fair Fight Action, which was birthed out of the malfeasance um, and voter suppression that we experienced with her election here in Georgia. And so I'm really, really excited to be here today on the phone with you talking about voting. We've got, what, 27 days until Election Day? and 27 days. I, thank you. 27 <laughs> days. So, Carl, thank you for, you know, utilizing your platform to talk about such an important moment in our country, but also, you know, for the greater part of the world, because... America, you know, we show up in a really, really big way and who our leader is impacts other countries. And so to talk about this, to be on the Black the Black Expat podcast and reminding people that if you are American citizen, American citizen, you have the right to vote. Um, it's just so important. So thank you, Carl. I love you. Well, thank you so much for joining the show again. Miss and love you uh, as well. I'm, I'm so glad. One of the things that I know we both made an effort to do, and we talked about this even when you visited, was making sure uh, you, you stay in contact with uh, with with your friend family, right? So again, you have friends. We also yeah. have some friends in our family. And Chelsea is definitely like family to me. So I think, uh, and I, I want to say that both of us have done a very good job of maintaining consistent communication. And when I say consistent, it's not like every day or even every week sometimes, but it's, hey, how are you doing? Or it's liking something on, on Twitter or on Instagram or on Facebook, or, hey, I saw you said this and I just wanted to check on you. But those things, again, going back to mental health and then also getting into voting are really, really important. Um, so again, thank you uh, just for always you know being there for me. And I hope that and I will continue also to make sure that I'm uh, there for you as well and just supporting one another. It's just, it's just great and it's amazing. And man, the love is just there and I can feel it. I can feel it through the phone. Um, do, so one of the things I definitely I was seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I got a I got a throwback photo of us that I might may or may not post later. But man, it was a, I'm posting post my Instagram now, so that so that way not not that many people to see it because you know. <laughs> but yes, thank you for joining me today. One of the things that um I think that I've done with the space we have here even is a lot of expats. And even back at home, don't know like how to vote, how they can get their votes in. So I know it's 27 days for Americans to vote, but I had to cast my vote um, a month beforehand, at least a month beforehand. So I voted like uh, three or four weeks ago just to make sure that it gets there on time. So tell us, what are some of the things that people don't know 
just back home about the voting process and how did how did these things kind of lead to uh, the creation of FFA? I'm going to abbreviate FFA. I mean, what you guys are doing there uh, back back home Georgia. in Georgia. Man, so there's a lot of things uh, that folks don't understand about the voting process. And, you know, we can have you can have a whole episode about the education system in America and how it has failed us in regards to civics and being really aware of how we exercise our full rights as citizens and being mm. active in our in this process. But I think one of the big things that I feel like a lot of Americans don't know is what a provisional ballot is. Um, and this is something that I love talking about because it is not, it's not, it, it's not talked about enough, but there is opportunities and reasons that some not, might not understand that if you are registered to vote uh, in your state or you know, you are, you are living in your county, um, there has been strategic and systemic ways that secretaries of state and bad actors have utilized our process against us, especially people of color, black people, let's just be real clear here, since the inception of our country to stop, um, to stop us from casting a vote, which is one of the most powerful tools that we have as an American, American citizen. We get to decide who represents us from the local level, the state level, and the federal level. And when we say represents us, we mean they are acting in the best interest of us, of what our needs are, of what our ideals are, or what, of what our hopes are. And so when we break this down to a provisional ballot, it, 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 it can really formulate from, has your secretary of state kicked you off the voter rolls? And what that means is, is they have utilized um, and enforce certain laws that have said that if you haven't voted in the last two elections, we're going to take we're going to take your right to vote away. If you have changed your 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 address and have not updated it with us after we've sent you maybe one postcard in the mail or sent you one email, we could take your right away. And so, what a lot of states, especially southern states that have fall that have fallen under the Voting Rights Act in the protection section five of the Voting Rights Act, which um, essentially bars mostly southern states from being bad actors in regards to voter registration, in regards to the ability to cast your ballot, as well as um, polling locations that you can actually go and back cast your ballot. Um, they have enacted this other form where if I don't see you on the voter rolls when you come to cast your ballot, I can make you cast a provisional ballot. Voting a provisional ballot is not a real ballot. Voting a provisional ballot is not a real ballot. Your job is not done. It is on the onus of that voter to go back and cure that ballot. And what that means is, is that you have to go to your county registrar, you have to go to your, your, your state, your secretary of state and say, hey, I actually live in this county, I actually live in this district, and my vote should actually count. So if you cast your provision, if you, they make you cast the provisional ballot, it is up to you 
to make sure you go back and say, I actually live here for your ballot to actually count. And I think a lot of people that look like you and me, Carl, do not understand that a provisional val- a provisional ballot is not an actual ballot. And so I just want I just want folks that's if that's one thing that everyone can take away from this is that you need to make sure your ballot actually counts. And that is if you vote by mail slash absentee balloting, which are the same thing. That is if you go and vote early. That is if you go on the last day to actually cast your ballot, which is election day. A provisional ballot, you must go back and make sure your ballot actually counted. And if they try to force you to cast your to cast a provisional ballot, even though you know you are a registered voter, you need to call 866-OUR-VOTE so that we can track what is going on in your county and we can stand up for you. So that is one thing that I want everyone to be able to understand about our voting process is that although it seems innocuous and that, hey, they're just trying to give me some, some certain way to cast my ballot, you, it is still on you to make sure it actually counts. So please Google, look up provisional ballots. And if they try to make you cast one, I want you all to push back on that. Man, and, 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 and what's amazing to me is that now, because I just, just listen to you speak now, there's so many ways to get access to information, right? Which is a good and a bad yeah. thing, especially when in terms of voting. Because like, like as we're Googling things and as we're finding you know, ways to find information, we're also going to stumble upon false information, misinformation, or misguided things that we may follow that may not lead us in the right direction. But it also, on the same end, it also makes me wonder, like, hey, how will we, as Black people in our community, the people who were black people and women, especially, who were not allowed to vote for so long, how were we in the past, before the Googles, before the phones, before, uh, you know, before everyone was had so much access to so much information, how were we in the past getting this information? How are we making sure that our vote actually counted? And how many times has this happened before, but we maybe have thought that, yeah, we voted, but it ended up being a provisional ballot that didn't really count after that, or we got something in the mail and it was raining that day, or we just, or we thought it was, a, you know, some spam and something, but it was actually of really high importance in regards to going out and being able to vote and then having that vote count and having that vote matter. Like that's, that's I just I have so many questions about that, about things that happened in the past, but like where, where is, in your opinion, like from your experience, where is the best place for someone to go? If they have questions and they need answers and it's the best place to go to get those answers immediately and they're, they're real answers, where's the best place you recommend someone to go um, to be able to get information about voting and about their vote in particular? So I'm obsessed with this website called vote.org. Um, and it, the reason why I'm obsessed with it is because there are many lawsuits that are happening in different states regarding uh, election reform. And this is the one website that I feel has the most up-to-date information. They really stay on top of it, no matter where you are. This is not a Georgia website. This is not a Michigan website or a Pennsylvania website. This is for the entire country. So if you want to understand how to cast your ballot, uh, how to vote by mail or vote absentee, which once again is the same thing. The Trump administration is going to try to tell you it's different. It is the exact same thing. Vote.org is going to be able to tell you how to do that. If you want to check your voter registration status to make sure you show up on your voter rolls in your state, 
vote.org is going to make sure that it gives you the proper website to go and check that voter registration status. If you want to register to vote, which I believe voter registration has closed in all of our, I believe, do not quote me on this, unfortunately. Um, I believe October 5th was the last day to vote in many, last day to register to vote in many states. Vote.org would be a great mechanism for you to go and register to vote in your state. If you need to know where your polling location is, vote.org is the place to go. Um, if you need to know whether early voting is allow allowed in your state, vote.org is the place to go. So I, I always direct everyone that I possibly can to, once again, vote.org. Thank you. I actually, that's that's where I went as an expatriate when I wanted to find out about the process that I needed to do to vote. Because you know, a lot of people just out here, I know we just don't know. Like, hey, how how do we vote? How do you get a go? How do you go about voting? And sometimes people hear about the process, they get they are that's what I'm looking for. They are discouraged from wanting to actually go through the process to get their vote out because it's much easier to not go through that process for them in their eyes. So, you know what? My vote doesn't matter anyway, and I'm not back home, so it doesn't matter. Then it is to actually make sure that their vote counts and is submitted and they are a part of the system that, you know, a part of the system that from the home country that they actually belong to. So, like, what are, what are, what is FFA? Like, fear, Fair fight action. What exactly is that? And what do you guys do daily to help um, with voting rights uh, back home in America? Um, and fair fight was birthed out of, um, I'm, I'm going to take it back just a little bit. Stacey ran for governor in 2018 um, in Georgia, mm -hmm. and her opponent, gov now Governor Brian Kemp, was also the secretary of state at the time. So he did not step down and he administered his own election essentially. Um, and what we saw during that election, after many lawsuits and many fights to get all of the ballots counted, even after election day, uh, he tried to hold up over 50,000 voter registration um, statuses across our state where folks were not being put on the voter roll so they couldn't actually vote. Um, he was able to purge many thousands, hundreds of thousands of people from the voter rolls, meaning he essentially erased them from actually having the right to vote in our state because he said so. Um, this all uh, accumulated into what we call voter suppression. And it actually wasn't until, although I'm a very smart girl, it wasn't until 2018 that I, that I realized what voter suppression is. Um, that I realized what a poll tax was. Um, and voter suppression at its heart is a strategic way to stop a marginalized group of people from being able to cast their ballot or making it harder for them to cast their ballot, Pull, putting up obstacles uh, so that they are either discouraged or suppressed from engaging in the voting process. Um, and this has been going on in our country, once again, since the inception of our country. It is no different from um, a county registrar in the 1960s, the 1950s, saying you need to count all of the bubbles on this bar of soap to be able to cast your ballot. You need to tell me the name of every single president to be able to cast your ballot. You need to, and this is something very new, 
you need to have a notary uh, notarize your ballot to be able to send it in and for your ballot to count. It's terrible. You need to notarize your ballot. Hmm. Um, and so everything that happened in 2018 obviously pissed all of us off because Stacy, all of the work that we've been putting in for years, it meant nothing because of what Brian Kemp decided was the way he was going to administer that election. And it is the example of eroding what our democracy is in, in the United States. If I cannot go in and confidently cast my ballot and know that it counted, then everything that our country has standed on means nothing that my right as a citizen to be able to choose who my who my leader is means nothing. And so fair fight was birthed out of that anger, out of that frustration and out of that injustice. We were founded in 2019 um, and what fair fight strives to do is in many different ways. Number one, we, we do not do voter registration, but we do encourage people to, you know, register to vote. We mostly ask people to check their voter, voter registration to make sure that their secretary of state has not kicked them off the voter rolls for something that is essentially stupid. Like, let's just be real. I'm on my third glass of wine because I've, I've watched the vice presidential debate. I know. I get hyped <laughs> for that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we want you to check your voter registration because we, want, we don't want any surprises when you go to try and cast your ballot. Hmm. So we ask people to go vote, to check their voter registration. We ask people to... Um, make sure that they are investing and paying attention to their state Democratic Party, where we have stand up, we have stood up, uh, I believe it's 22 uh, voter protection teams across the country. And what that means is we've hired voter protection directors, digital directors, um, uh, field organizers to be able to talk to uh, voters in that state and help them understand what voter suppression looks like in their state um, and ways to mitigate it and combat it. Um, so that is one really big portion of a fair fight is standing up these voter protection teams to give the resources that I gave earlier so folks are equipped um, and educated and activated to cast their ballot. But we mm. also, because of what we saw in 2018, we weren't just going to lay down and take it. So we filed a federal lawsuit against the Georgia Secretary of State and the, the, the State Board of Elections to say that everything that this, the laws that are on the books in Georgia um, essentially discriminate against people of color in the state and their ability to actually cast their ballot. So we go through, we go about it through a legal way. We thought we go about it through a organizing way and we go about it through a legislative way. Uh, Andre Fields, who runs our political department here at Fair Fight, works every single day to make sure that we are beating back really bad laws that our Georgia state legislature, state legislature tries to push through. And we're also trying to amplify and elect uh, state representatives and state senators 
that are going to support and uplift voting rights for our entire state. And we are really trying to make sure that this model is replicated across our country. So it's legal, it's legislative, and it's organizing that we do here at Fair Fight. And actually, that, that was the next question I was going to ask. I know a lot of time people, because I've always gotten this question, people are like, oh, well, these organizations are out here. Um, what exactly do these or organizations do? Like, how, how are they supporting the community? Because, you know, if you don't, if you aren't really checking up on something daily, I know for most people, then it's, it's easy to miss what's actually going on and how yeah. organizations like FFA are actually helping people and fighting the good fight and going through these processes. And anytime you're involved in something that has anything with legal in it, we all know that that is, that in and of itself is a process to get things done. But it is a lot of coordinating. There's a lot of reaching out to people. There's a lot of like a, a lot of boots on the ground things in order to reach the, the goal and the agenda that you guys have set forth. And it is a lot of work and it does not happen overnight. It is a very, very long process that requires a, a very, very dedicated team, which clearly you guys have, and a great leader, which also clearly you guys have to make sure that you guys are working toward the goal that you guys want to, you know, want to accomplish and want to achieve. So, so what is one thing? Cause you, cause, cause, because you, you've been working with Stacy for quite some time now. I mean, you've been part of the organization for quite some time. So what is like one or two things like big things and big changes and big movements that you've experienced during your time there that you're like, you know what, this was a moment where I realized, man, I'm so proud of what we're doing. I know you kind of get that every day because what you're doing is meaningful every day in every way. But like, like what, what, what were some of the big moments that you were a part of? You're like, man, this is great. Um, this is really impactful. Like, I'm glad that I was a part of this experience. And that's kind of helped you continue moving forward what you're doing, because I know it's hard work. Uh, sometimes you like, like, man, like I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired, but this is why I'm keep, this is why I'm still going. And this is what I'm going to, going to continue to work toward doing. Uh, so what were some of those moments for you? Yeah, so there's a couple. Number one, Carl, we need to put you on payroll because the way you just summed all of that up and moved this conversation along, we need to hire you. You're fantastic. Um, but <laughs> to get back on track, there, there's a couple of things. Um, I think Fair Fight, the Fair Fight 2020 team, and that's really, that's our national team. Hmm. moved roughly $4 million in funds that supported the hiring and training of more than 50 talented voter protection staffers across, um, I believe it's now 20 states, 23 states, and built. this was built in the Democratic Party's voter protection infrastructure. Um, hmm. And it really has set the Biden campaign and Democrats, you know, at large for success this fall. I mean, this team won a Supreme, helped win a Supreme Court seat in Wisconsin with expansions of voter access in Minnesota, North Carolina, South Carolina, Nevada, New Hampshire, and many more. Um, fair fight actions, emergency action on 300,000 voters purged in Georgia at the end of 2019, the Secretary of State was forced to admit a major error and reinstated over 20,000 voters to the voter rolls. And the court set new requirements uh, for our state to give more notice and information to voters about the purge. Um, you know, our organizing team has contacted well over 900,000, maybe even a million Georgia vote voters before the June primary to support them in voting by mail, which resulted in uh, voting by mail being the top way to vote, the top method to vote 
um, for choice for African-American Georgians in the election and Democrats outvoting Republicans by a quarter of a million votes. Um, our voter protection team has wow. collected well over a thousand declarations documenting voters' challenges across 50 counties in Georgia during our primary election and engaged nearly, I want to say 200, 200 volunteers in the process and supporting, supporting allies in litigation efforts that are, that are improving access in multiple states. You know, we were, we were in Kentucky when there was a group, we were in Kentucky and Louisiana when their gubernatorial races, the race for governor was up. Uh, we had already, you know, established our voter protection team. There was a huge, huge lawsuit and debate that went on when the Secretary of State in Kentucky tried to purge thousands of people from the voter rolls. And because of the infrastructure that we had built, the allies that we were connected to in Kentucky, we were able to block that. And the current Democratic governor in Kentucky won that election by, I want to say, less than 5,000 votes. So the work that we do, you know, it, it might seem small to some, but these elections are really, th these elections are, are decided by hundreds of votes, thousands of votes. So mm. any little work that we do that can stop purging, that can stop, um, you know, uh, ballots being thrown out, that can stop voter registration statuses being held up, really makes a difference. So I I'm really, really proud of, of the work that we've done. Even last year, I want to say that we, with Andre's work that he did, we won so many local races across the state of Georgia. You know, DA races, sheriff races, mayoral races. And if you care about climate change, if you clear, if you care about police reform, if you if you care about you know justice, criminal justice reform, or the economy, your mayor has a say so in that. Your DA has a say so in that. Your sheriff has a say so in that. And so our work has an immediate response and effect on our community. And so that's one of the reasons why I work in politics. I'm really impatient. So I love working on the state and local level, not so much the federal level, <laughs> yeah. because you actually get to see, you actually get to see the change, um, you know, within a year, within two years, within four years. Um, and so I, I'm really, really proud of the work that Fear Fight has done. And, and we have essentially set the model for people to talk about voter suppression. Nobody was talking about this, even though this has occurred in our country for years. Hmm. We saw that George W. Bush, and you know, I don't really care what anybody says, he stole that election for presidency. We hmm. saw the issues that happened with voting machines when John Kerry ran for president. This has been going on for a while. And I think it wasn't until Stacey was Stacey Abrams, leader Abrams, as we like to call her, um, because that was her position here in Georgia. She was the leader. Um, it wasn't until she got on a bullhorn and said, this is an issue. This is a problem. And our democracy is at, is at stake that people really started paying attention and really naming what this is, which is voter suppression. So the fact that we just changed the conversation across our country is, 
amazing. And I'm really, really glad and really honored to be a part of that work. It is astounding, amazing. Again, it's, it's work that absolutely work that needs to be done and has to be done. I'm just really glad that, again, one more time, y'all, shout out to black women uh, because we're really, really glad um, that, that we have, women. right? Like amazing black women uh, leading the charge, <clears throat> excuse me, um, leading the charge on voting rights and voter and and voter suppression uh, and just all the things you guys have been working on like it's it's absolutely amazing because one of the things that um one of the things that i I, i'm talking to different people about voting um and should expats as an expatriate have the right to vote um is that when you hear uh some of our present day leaders and even past leaders that we've had uh say things like oh the election will be rigged or there's something wrong here or i don't trust this i don't trust that there's never any context Right, especially at a federal level. It's always the election is gonna be rigged. You shouldn't trust that, or they're gonna to try to rig the election for me. Certain presidents have said, especially the one we have now, have always said these things, but there's never any context. And and that it's and that's scary because people will then say, Yeah, I don't want to vote because it's rigged, or man, my vote doesn't matter because it's rigged, or yeah, I'm gonna vote and I'm gonna make sure that my vote counts and do everything I can to make sure. Uh and sometimes there's they don't one don't know how to make sure that their vote counts or two they're endangering others by doing something that they shouldn't be doing and then pretty much also putting other people's votes in danger of actually not counting and not being counted because they're going the illegal route to make sure that their votes count and i've heard very many stories about this not just in in southern areas but for people who live in places like massachusetts uh, someone, someone who lived in north dakota said that they had issues like this and also other places throughout you know throughout the country and also throughout the world as well and even for expats uh, one of the things that came up they were like yeah well uh, i mailed my I, I mailed my vote back and then it got shipped back to me because i didn't write the right address and i mailed it three or four times and it kept getting shipped back to me and then it turns out that he was mailing it to his own house so that his family member could mail it but they actually opened it looked at his vote and then mailed it back to him so i mean there's just so many horror stories about voting um that you know i can definitely go into i'm sure that you've heard and experienced as well but i, I do kind of want to take a few steps back and just ask um because again with all the work that you guys are doing all the everything that we're fighting for on a daily basis in regards to voting and elections and make sure that we put make sure that our voices are holding our heard and our votes count um this is a, a very interesting question i want to ask you and see how you respond to it because i asked um an, an elder member of my family she's uh older than 60 i won't say who it is because she asked me not to um and actually this very simple question i definitely want to get uh your answer to this why is voting important not from from a political standpoint but just as a black woman why is voting important? Uh, I'm silent because I want to make sure that I honor her question in the right way and I give the right answer. Because um, you said don't be political, so I'm not going to be political. Um, voting is important because This is, let's just be real. This is a hiring process. Hmm. When I cast my ballot for somebody, I am asking them to do a job. I'm asking them based off of all of the rhetoric, based off of their campaign, that they have told me that they see me, they hear me, and they're going to show up for me the way that I've been asking them to. And when I go and cast my ballot, it is my vote of confidence in them that they will show up and represent me. Now, 
when we talk about our families and you know not having somebody embarrass us or trusting somebody that they're going to stick up for us or that they're going to speak to what's important to us that is what voting is you are essentially saying that hey i have identified that this guy this woman this person is going to speak up for me that this person is going to fight for me and that this is person this person is going to listen to me for however long their term is that's going to be in the best interest of me and my community for our prosperity this is voting is our way of communicating our wants and our needs that is why it's important if you do not vote you essentially don't get a say so in how your community and how your country is operating because once once you vote you have the power to take that person out of office or correct that person when they're in office because you are their constituent you hired them to do a job and i need everybody who i have hired to do a job to show up the way that i asked them to so voting is important because the way our republic is set up i need someone at that level to represent what my needs are but it is also on me to communicate what our needs are and so it is a dialogue for me to prosper in this country and in my community i i don't want to be paying all of these taxes when donald trump don't pay taxes hello I I don't I don't want to be bogged down with student loans because that inhibits me being able to put more money into our economy. I don't want to worry about when I decide to get married or have a child that I can't have paid time off for birthing that that human. I I want to be able to have a strong economy so that I can have job security going forward because that's the only way that I'm going to be able to sustain this very expensive lifestyle that I thought I could have. Um <laughs> it is <laughs> it is me saying that I believe that it is a woman it is a person's right to choose what happens to that person's body. I am living my values through you and I need you to step up and speak up for me because I have certain ideas, I have certain expectations, I have certain dreams and I have certain hopes that I need you to voice to the greater community because as a black woman, once again, trust black women, whatever I need for myself is only going to move this country forward, just keeping it 100. It's only going to uplift whomever else is in this country because once i am uplifted as a black woman everybody else is uplifted and so voting is important for us to continue this dialogue of i need you to show up and be present for me because when you are present for me you are present for everybody 
that is that is what voting means for me as a black woman. Thank you. And I I definitely want to share some of the because again when I when I was asked this question, I also asked it back. Um, it. I, it made me think about a lot of things that I've kind of been talking about over the a, a few episodes, but just uh, the realism, especially with everything that's going on with have has been going on with you know George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and everyone else before that, and and hopefully no one else after. But everyone that have, that all those things has been going on with movements that we've been doing uh, on behalf of the entities that have been occurring uh, in America. But one of the things, the first thing that 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 this amazing woman said to me, she said. Whenever you ask this question, or when you are, you are asked this question, just remind whoever you're speaking to that when we say, she said, when we say vote, why is your vote is important? We're not just talking about voting for the president because so many people out there, and I, I didn't realize that she was like, so many people out there only vote during that time. And she yes. said, she said, young man, I want you to think about it. When you were younger, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, what is one thing that you wanted, right? You want to control because when you're young, you're, you're kind of, well, you are controlled by your parents because you depend on them for, you know, food, water, roof over your head. But she said, imagine if you, at, at your present age, she's like, you're still young, you're in your thirties, but at your present age, if you understood everything that, that your vote could do from when you're 18 years old and how you could have actually helped shape your own future, the future of your family and those that you that care that you care about the most just from elections in your community and in your neighborhood. Imagine if you had that knowledge and realized what with that knowledge came so much power to actually change things for the betterment of you, your family and your future. She said, it doesn't matter what you ended up doing or where you ended up being, where you ended up living. But imagine if we empowered our young people from the age of 18, when they're legally able to vote, to understand what it means to vote and the power that they have in, from having the ability to vote and actually encourage them to get out and be active and involved in their communities and seeing the benefit of that. That was the very first thing she said. She said, don't have anyone limit voting to just the presidential election because she said, from her perspective, it seems like that's the only time in her circles, people really get up in arms about voting. But she's like, because yeah, my grandmother does it, she votes at every level on everything and she keeps us informed. She said, it's very, very important for people to understand that voting is not just for that one part. And then I was like, you know what? That's that's a great point. Thank you. And I'll always make sure I bring that up when I'm asking or answering this question. But then she also went on to tell me a few stories. She said, and I definitely related to this. She was like, uh, she said, I remember a time where as a black woman, I would walk to school and I would get threatened. I would get yelled at. I would get things thrown at me. I feared for my life just walking to school. There were times where I would go to get information about voting as a black woman and literally have a door slammed in my face. There were times when I wanted to get involved in the community. We would create community, these community organizations, all led by black people, all led by black women. It would be up, up, up. And then a politician would step into the room and shut it down. It's like we were trying, she's like, I was a part of so many movements where we were trying to do the good things in our community and our community only in hopes of inspiring other communities to kind of follow suit and then do better things for their communities as well. And she said, and she even said, she said, it wasn't just for the black community because she grew up in an area that was pretty diverse, but her own, like her own little cul-de-sac or area was all black, obviously, because, you know, 60 years ago, heavy on the racism. Um, but she was like, in those, she said, and she made it a point to share this with every young person she encountered. She said, I want you guys to understand the process that it took. And she said, for black women, especially as a black woman, uh, but she said, just for black people, the process and the, and the pain and the fight and the effort that went into us 
our not just our ancestors, but our, our parents, our grandparents, the processes that we went through, the pain, the fight, the anger, the ability to not control things that happen in your daily life, as simple as having a get together in your backyard. She said, these things were torn away from us. And she said, I saw that. And then she so, and she, I, I want to make sure I get the story correct and, and quote her correctly. But she said, understand the power that you have with the vote, not just for the president who everyone else in the world sees, but for your local community, because you have to, and in order to get to that point, also understand the pain that others went through. And when she says others, look in your own family, because in most black families, I will say, we have people that were a part of that process, that were a part of that pain, that were a part of that fight, that even though we were given the, we were given the quote unquote right to vote, which we always should have had anyway, it was still an up, upward battle. It was still a fight to even have those votes counted, to even get to the polling place. She said, I had to walk 45 minutes, walk just to get to a polling place. They would stop buses from taking elderly people and taking regular people from getting to these polling places. And now, and I'm using, I'm coming full circle here. And now as an expat, you're complaining about having to send something through the mail. And now as a black person in the States, you're complaining about just simply having to get in your car, Google something, get in your car and drive to being able to, the privilege of being able to drive to a polling place. She said, young man, don't take anything for granted when it comes to your rights, but also understand that it's not just about you. We don't live in this world on our own. We are not on our own. Everything we does, everything we do impacts ourselves and those around us and our family and our future. So, and she said so many other things that I definitely could get into, but I wanna, I wanna keep it short and I don't wanna you know, misquote her in any way, but she said, the pain, the process and the privilege. She said, do not take those things for granted and make sure you get out and vote. So she said, when you ask why voting is important, she said, quite simply, <laughs> she said a curse word, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> but she, and to keep it short, she was like, why, well, why isn't it? And she said those two things. She said, the pain, the process, and the privilege is why voting is important to me. And then she looked at me and she said, I want you to think deeply about this question. Because she said, have you ever not voted for or something? I said, yes, there has been a time where I didn't vote. When I was 18 years old, I didn't vote. From 19, I voted every year after that. I was also out of the country when I was 18, but no excuses, I didn't vote. Um, but yeah, it was it was such a powerful message because I think back to, you know, just listening to stories that my grandmother told, stories that my mother told about, you know, how they were brought up. And I, I always tell people, I say, hey, go back and ask your, your parents and your grandparents about how they were raised and what they experienced. And I always say this, I understand that from a processing pain perspective and mental health and all that, a lot of things our parents and grandparents didn't share with us because they didn't want us to process the same pain that they went through. But we can just see based on what goes on today and amplify that times a million. And it's even it's hard to imagine what our parents and grandparents survived and thrived and lived through. So for me to sit up there and say, I can't, I don't have time to vote or I don't care about voting or my vote doesn't matter. It's just disrespectful to them. Um, and then I always want to make sure that I just acknowledge those experiences. Cause again, it's hard for me. I, it's, I always wanted to ask, and I don't know if you feel the same way. I always want to ask my parents and the grandparents about how they were raised and brought up. But to be quite honest, meaning not how they're raised, their experiences being raised as black women and black men in the 50, 30s, 40s, 50s and 60s. Right. But I'm also, I'm, I'm terrified of the answer. 
Like I, like it would be hard for me to get through listening to them tell those stories and share those experiences because I know that yeah, there is some joy in that, and that's the part that they share with us—the joy, the family gatherings, the get-togethers. But man, that pain, right? The pain, like because the pain that I feel in getting the news about Breonna Taylor is oh my god, and yes. like George Floyd is oh my god. But imagine <laughs> living that daily witnessing people being killed right in front of you witnessing people you know i mean it's just it's so it's just so much to think about but man so when people ask me and that Carla, that huh what i the only thing that i want to say to that is and i don't i do not want anyone to take this lightly but we we also have to be set in reality that we 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 do experience that every day um we do not experience it in a way that laws state laws have sanctioned it to be okay mm. but the killing of our of people that look like us is still happening it is it's still very prevalent and in our face so the 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 shock of us of us seeing you know Ahmad and George and Brianna and Sandra it, it, there's so many honestly there's so many names is is you you we 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 can't get into this debate of let's compare trauma that's what I don't want us to get into because you're not going to cuss on your press podcast. And I'm sorry to say this, but a lot of shit has not changed. It is just veiled and packaged in a, in a, in a different box. And what our grandparents had to go through, what our parents had to go to go through when they cast their ballot is still it is still something that is relevant today it might not be uh fire hoses and billy clubs but i still need to pay a notary to notarize my ballot even though i live in the most poor i live in the poorest county in the country mm -hmm. um it is still all of my all of the polling locations in my county have been closed down because of Brian Kemp or whomever. Um, and I I still don't have a car. I didn't have a car 50 years ago. I don't have a car right now to get to a polling location. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't want us to get into this idea of let's compare trauma and that's why we need to vote but this is the only but voting no matter how long it takes no, no no matter how arduous the process is is the only way that we see any progress in this country and we need to hold on to that we have to hold on to hope no and this country has done us wrong since since we were brought over here in shackles and i really don't see that changing but our voices are loud enough to make the progress that we need to see for us to keep moving forward.
So I, I, I hear your aunt, I believe you said it was, um, but I don't want us to get in, into this tit for tat about trauma because you, you know, I, I think about watching this amazing, the amazing show, uh, Lovecraft Country. Oh man, hey, that show is amazing. Yo, that show is dope. But <laughs> how it like it, you know, it 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 pushes us all the way back to you know forty years from now, uh, forty years in the past, and how they felt with Emmett Till. When I was watching that, I was just like, yo, that's the same way I I felt about Brianna. Like they they came into this woman's house and they killed her while she was sleeping. They they you know sat on George Floyd or they they choked Eric Gardner until he died. You it just we we cannot do this compare and contrast because we are all in the same boat. If we look like each other, if if I see you and I recognize you as a black man, you see me and you recognize me as a black woman we share the same trauma. And I just don't want us to get into this space of, we need to vote because it was so hard for me 50 years ago. We mm -hmm. need to get into the mindset of, we need to vote because we, we could still be where we were 50 years ago. Had, mm -hmm. our, had our grandparents and parents not do what they were supposed to do. So now it's our turn to make sure that our grandkids and our great grandkids do not experience what we have to deal with. And I, I need us to take on that kind of mindset. And so I, I respect her because she is my elder and I love her dearly. I don't know her, but I love her. Um, but I, I don't want us to be comparing our trauma to try and convince me that this is something that I need to vote for, but that this is what I need. This is why I need to be a part of this this process because I don't want to be back to where you were 50 years ago. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Nice. That was that was very eloquently put. I appreciate that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm also I'm definitely gonna pull some quotables out this when I repost this though. I've actually been trying to sure. write them down, but you were you were uh you were coming with too many of them. So I was like, I'm I, I just I bullet pointed the minutes and I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna re-listen to it before posting. But I do want to transition into, uh, I want to give you some rapid fire questions. And again, feel free to answer this from your own perspective or you can play devil's advocate. Um, but I do want to throw some, just throw some things at you. And again, have fun with it. Like you don't have to answer it like seriously, you can have fun with it. Um, but I definitely want to pose these things out because these things have actually been asked and said to me. Um, again, I'm going to respond to it in my own podcast about should expats living abroad be able to vote, but I also want to get your opinion um, as I, I'm going to call you this, a voting expert. Uh, an expert in the field of voting. So I definitely want to get your perspective. So again, I've been asking this question, uh, pose this question, and I know we've kind of been talking about voting throughout the whole podcast. That was the point, obviously. But should expats living abroad be able to vote? Now, I want to say that I know what your answer is and I also know what my answer is. I mean, allowed to when you use that or be able to. I mean, of course, if you are a resident or a citizen, then one of the obvious answers, yeah, why not? Because you know, you're a resident there and you may or may not go back, whatever. But I wanna throw out these questions that I had and see how you would respond to them. Um, okay, so the question is still this, should expats living abroad be able to vote? And then I wanna get your response to what this one, one person said. One person said, yes, they should be allowed to vote only if they pay taxes. How would you respond to that either positively or negatively? How would you respond to that? 
Um, so I am not a tax attorney, but if you are, <laughs> uh, oh God. So if you are, this is what I'm going to say because I work for a major organi- organization. Uh, and I don't want to get Stacey Abrams in trouble because I am a representative of her. If you are an eligible voter <laughs> in the United States and can cast your ballot, regardless of wherever you live in the in the world, whether it's Costa Rica, whether it's Taiwan, whether it's Spain, whatever, if you are an eligible voter in the United States, you should be able to cast your ballot. Cool. That's my answer. Next, <laughs> next, next thing I should respond to. Should expats living abroad be allowed to vote? First <laughs> person response was, yes, with stipulations. <laughs> they must. <laughs> Yes, with stipulation. Don't laugh at me, Carlo. <laughs> so, so let's just play devil's advocate. This is an unofficial off the record, but on the record response. <laughs> if you had to set stipulations for someone living abroad to have to vote, what stipulations would you set and why? I am going to follow whatever our laws are <laughs> for individuals who are living abroad, but are still residents or citizens of the United States that they'd be allowed to cast their ballot if they are considered an eligible voter. Do you think that there will be problems with, uh, or just also from your from your knowledge, is there problems, mm-hmm. I'm sure there, well, is there problems with consistency and, and accuracy and votes being counted from people who are voting from abroad? Can you rephrase the question? Cause I'm not fully, it might be my fifth glass of wine, but I'm not fully <laughs> so, understanding it. Rephrase it. So are there, are there problems getting votes counted from people who are voting from abroad that you've that you've um, heard of or that you know of? Yeah, we did experience in 2018. We did experience some some individuals that were living abroad that were still eligible voters in Georgia that were having issues with number one getting their ballots uh, when they requested an absentee slash mail in uh, mail. Uh, vote by mail ballot, um, and and that is strictly due to the incompetence of that Secretary of State who who he or she you know runs how voting and elections are ran in that state, um, and you know ballots are sometimes can be, but they are very easy to vote by mail can be a little confusing if you do not read the directions. And so mm. I would say, take your time in reading your ballot and following all of the rules uh, when you fill out your ballot and you send it back in. So I have experienced and heard of some complications that have happened with folks that have lived abroad that are sending in their ballot, but that does that should not deter you from actively requesting your ballot and and sending it back in. Um, I, I, I just do not want people to to think that because it was hard for someone else, it's going to be hard for them. Their experience is not necessarily your experience. And so do your due diligence in requesting your ballot, requesting your application so you can fill it out, get your ballot, and send that bad boy back in as soon as possible. So again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you some questions. Feel free to answer them how you choose. You don't think it's unfair that for a person, uh, for a person who, like, say, let's say, for example, someone's been living abroad for five years, and they, and you know, they have no intention whatsoever 
on moving back to the United States. However, they vote in everything that they can vote in. You don't think that's un unfair at all? Uh, if they're an eligible voter in the United States, no, I do not <laughs> think that that is unfair. I so, just don't. I, 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 I no, really don't different. because it, it really is on that part. Like, we don't know. That, yeah, they gone for five years, but they could move back next year and they don't want to come to a shit country. Like that, that, or they don't. They they should have a right to be able to decide who their senator is, who their U.S. congressperson is, um, who their state representative is. I, I just don't find that to be unfair, um, especially if they have done all of the things that you're supposed to do to maintain the fact that you are eligible to vote in that in that country. No, I don't think that's unfair. So let's flip it then. Again, again, I, I know you have to answer this a certain way, but um. Uh, so let's flip it. So say, for example, I've been living in Taiwan for 10 years. But I, I'm answering it in the way that people understand that I, I just I want if you are eligible to vote, do that, do it. Then, that then that is how I'm yeah. answering. Yeah. So, so let's flip it. So say someone moves to America. They're not citizens, but they've been living there for five years and they plan to live there for another five. And I know for me, it's the same. Like I don't have a I don't get the right to vote in Taiwan, no matter how long I live here, unless I literally give my, you know, change my citizenship to I'm a Taiwanese citizen, even though I live here and work here, the policies that are made do affect me. I mean, yeah, man, that's, I actually don't answer the question. That's actually a, a pretty deep question. And it's like that it I under, I understand both sides of, you know, not being able to vote here and also still being able to vote to Amer in America because this, until you fully commit to living somewhere, like you said, I haven't fully committed to living in Taiwan because I'm still a U.S. citizen. So as long as I'm, I'm saying I still want to be a citizen of this country, then, yeah, I should be able to vote in that country. Because at any point in time, like you said, I may decide to move back to my home country. But the moment I shifted over to, you know what, I'm renouncing my U.S. citizenship and now I'm a, I'm a citizen of Taiwan, then I guess that's when that change kicks in. Where it's like, you know what, I'm committing. I'm now a citizen of this country. So now I have all the rights that come with committing full time to being a citizen of the state. Makes sense. I don't know what to say, but um, yeah. So <laughs> uh, this is the point it, of the podcast. It's a lot, <laughs> especially when, when our president don't pay nothing. So mm -mm. here we go. I don't know. He's smart. Cool. Uh, I'm be smart. Too. I'm not gonna pay any of them. Mm. Um, uh, this part of the podcast, uh, Chelsea, where you can ask me any questions that you have, or anything that you would like to add or mention. Do you miss next. being? Do you miss living stateside? <laughs> no, um, I, I, I don't. <laughs> like I, I'm, I was about to try to make up some. No, I, I don't. I don't miss living in. America. Like I said, I miss aspects of it. First and foremost, I always miss my family. I miss family time, but I can have my, I, we can be family in Mexico. We can be family in New Zealand. It's just family. Um, I miss the food. Like I do, again, I like the America, the way that, you know, Harold's chicken, black soul food. Um, but again, if I can fly my family out here, they can cook the same food over here. Just bring the ingredients because they ain't got the right seasonings out here sometimes. So they're really hard to find. Um, <laughs> I remember. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'll be making black eyed peas because that's something I get my hands on easily and I can get bacon right <laughs> off the pig out here. But um, no, I mean, living, no, I think, uh, again, I tried my year seven, I tried, I went back home um, and I tried working in America. I worked at our alma mater at DePaul. Um, and I was like, "Ooh, no! This, this, this is the ghetto. This ain't, this ain't for me." Uh, <laughs> and people were like, 
Uh, it's just not for me. And the thing is, here I was like, well, maybe if you tried, maybe if you tried a different profession or had a different job. And I'm like, yeah, if I was, I could podcast from America, but then I wouldn't be the black expat. I'd be the black expat. Well, I still would be because I still have 10 years with the expat experience. But um, I mean, yeah, I could, could I podcast back at home? Yes, because then I would be at home around my family. But um, the, like I said, the convenience of Taiwan, um, the ease of everything. Uh, again, I still I'm driving. I, the feeling I don't like driving past the police, and this this was been since ten years ago. Like I since I I don't like that feeling of being. A, I'm I feel like I'm afraid more often when I'm back home, um, and and the people are, oh you run away from it. No, I'm not running away from it. I don't like it, so I don't have to subject myself to something that I don't like and I don't want to be a part of. You know, um, and that's okay. And you know, I always try to like make fun and judge you for that. Like, no, that that's okay. When you don't like something, if you want to stay in it, that's on you. But I per personally don't want to deal with that. And I don't like living in fear. And in Taiwan, I'm going to have to really, I, I don't live like that. Um, and that's, again, that's, that, that's a small, but also a very important thing for me in my life and how I, you know, I want to choose to live moving forward. Now, ask me this when I get married and start having children. That is another conversation for another podcast, because that does change things. Because mm -hmm. I don't think I want my kids to be raised in a Taiwanese educational system, but I also could homeschool oh. my kids too. You know what I mean? Right. It's not that there's nothing wrong with it. It's just not what I would like. I would want for my children, but also if there's ways around it, there's different schools you can put them in or whatever. But um, culturally I want, you know, my kids to have, to have a lot of my culture, no matter who I marry. You know what I mean? So that's, that's a different conversation for down the line when I become the married black expat or whatever, married with kids, black expat, but that's something I think about. But for me personally, um, do I miss living back home? I miss the people. I miss being able, you know, to fly to Atlanta and kick it with you at your apartment and go out for drinks. Um, you know, I miss, you know, the conversations I can have. I miss being able to pull up on somebody. Like I miss that. Um, but living the day to day, uh, the anxiety, the anguish, seeing, uh, like you, you, you just, I, you see it every day, all the inequality, like you kind of live it every day. And if you, you know, you can choose to ignore it or not see it. But I mean, just in shopping, when I was back, the food, I, going to different grocery stores, I was like, man, this grocery store got all this fresh food and all this healthy stuff and it's reasonably priced. This other one ain't got nothing healthy, all the food look oh, like, and then you, you just see it. And being somewhere where you don't have to see that and live that every day. And then going to a place you have to see that and live that every day. And regardless of your wealth, Right. Because you can be rich and you can still see the inequality. It doesn't matter how much money you have. You see it. And then realize that, man, like this is this is sorry, this is messed up. It's like, no, I don't I don't miss that. And I don't want to be a part of that. And if I can control that by any means, then I'm definitely going to control the space in which I live in, because I'm not the kind of person that just can ignore other people and their feelings. And then I can't I can't do that. But also I want to have that be my daily life. Like, I just don't want it to be. Um, so, yeah. Sorry, that was a very long answer to your question, but no, long that story. was a no, that was a very comprehensive answer, um, which made me think about a lot of things. Like, you know, I'm I am committed to an educator. Like, I am in a relationship with an educator because number one, I think educators are angels from God, and I want my child to be. That, you know, I thought about homeschooling and all of that whole thing. Like, I'm obsessed with educators um, because I think they're just good people. And so, uh, I, I totally get what you're what you're talking about. And I think it was a very comprehensive answer.
the next answer, which is very, you know, narcissistic yeah. to me, is how much do you miss me? That's what I really want to know. Um, oh, and I want you to be able to tell the whole world is how much you miss Chelsea Tyler. That's what I want to know. <laughs> A lot, I mean, man, I just I, I can't even measure it. I can't even stretch my arms wide enough to really, you know, paint an accurate description. I mean, I, I honestly can't. And I know I. And uh, I know with, uh, in my last podcast, we were just like talking about giving people flowers and like reflecting. But I, I, as you know, from my tweets, you see, I'm all about gassing your friends up. I'm all about supporting friends. I'm all about challenging friends and supporting one another and cha challenging and supporting. Right. And I think one of the things that when you were here uh, for the month that you was, it was so like it shifted me in so many ways and what I was thinking. It changed the path of my podcast because, I mean, from there, I don't know if you know this, but from there is when I actually started doing more interviews before it was just me but from the conversations we had and the way that you spoke and me i mean i'm very observative i took keys from how you presented things how you spoke about things i followed what you said more listened to more you know what stacy was doing and like all the pointers and tips that you were giving me um catapulted me forward even further in podcasting i don't know if you realize that but i definitely point that out on other podcasts but yeah like it really really did and the conversations we had really helped me grow um, in so many ways. Again, but it's not just that. It's like, I genuinely love you as a person. I genuinely am happy when you were around. Um, I felt inspired. I felt love. I felt cared for. And in, and I hope that I reciprocated that energy as well. And it really is just the energy. People always like, you don't always have to use examples of what someone did for you to kind of show them how you, how you feel about them. Um, but the most important thing for me is how I feel when I am with you. Like we could have done nothing. We could have not podcast, nothing could have been done, but just being in that space with you uplifted me. And it was just such a good energy and such a good vibe and just such a good feeling to have. And I do miss that feeling. Like I said, the friend family, um, some feelings you can't get from everywhere, from everybody, um, for you, some, shoot, sometimes even family included. But you know, when you have that special connection, that feeling with somebody, um, you remember that and you don't let it go and you don't forget about it. And you know, from 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 me to you, um, that is how much I miss you. I and how much I need and I love that. And I know we get that now in different ways through our messages and you know and different things that we do social media wise, but nothing will ever replace that in-person connection, that feeling and that love. That is felt when we were together. So I mean, yeah. Sorry again, another very long answer for uh, a very short you, question, Carl. but it's like, <laughs> I want to be honest uh, and let you know, like I've you know thought about that question, um, but yeah, think about I it, baby. Like I mean, I miss you so much. I mean, like it just the month that we spent together was freaking amazing. Yeah, if you are friends with Carl and Patrick, like. And you have talked, you know, talked mad shit about going out and visiting them in Taiwan. Like, please go, y'all. Number one, the Taiwanese people know how to fry some chicken. So, like, just please go. Like, it is an amazing experience. Um, my, and obviously, I'm a Libra. So, I'm going to ask for love <laughs> and, like, affirmations because I'm going to be 30 this week. Shout out to all the Libras out there. Um, <laughs> Birthday girl. Hey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, my last thing is is being over in Taiwan and watching the selection process. What are some things that you would have done differently, or what are some ways that you would encourage 
the people who are over here in the States, how, what are some ways that you would encourage them to go vote? Because it is, we saw our first presidential debate with Biden and Trump, and it was a mess. And then we, we just witnessed, uh, you know, Vice President, I'm claiming it, Vice President Soror, Kamala Harris, um, versus, you know, that Mike Pence. Um, and so how would you encourage people to go vote? And what are some things that you might have done differently had you been on their campaigns? That's what I would love to hear. Ooh, now the encouraging people to vote thing, because, you know, the, the, just because of my background in teaching, um, background in teaching, always, uh, and e even just from like becoming a better friend, it's like learning. So, you know what? I don't necessarily want to force anybody to do anything or, uh, but I want to, I would just pose questions. Like I always pose questions and then ask them, they encourage people to think internally about, you know, why voting is important, um, how it, how it will, can and will impact you. I mean, what difference it could make just by getting out and voting. So again, I, I always start from a position of just asking the right questions and figuring out, and it, and it always depends on, on the demographic, of course, and find a demographic, all right, asking questions that are important to them and valid to them, and then kind of leading them to think deeply on their own, but you know, through a, through a guided conversation about um, the importance of voting, how, how voting can impact them and how they can make a difference for themselves and in their community. Um, that's really how I do things. Like the tangible way to do that, I don't really know, necessarily know how I would do that. Um, I know I use this, I can also always use my podcast platform to talk about the importance of voting, um, how voting has impacted people of that nature, inviting things of that nature on to have these discussions like we did today. Um, and also again, challenge ideas, right? So we had a very deep conversation mid podcast about an idea that, you know, my aunt had, and then we kind of broke it down and then made it relatable, you know, to the masses where everybody said, Hey, let's not compare traumas. Let's really take a step back and really get to the core of why we need to vote present day. And it's the same as back. It's always going to pretty much be the same. It's because your vote is important and it matters and so on and so forth. So to answer that question, I think that's what I would do. Um, tangible boots on the grounds thing. I would definitely defer to my, uh, to my voting superiors and voting leaders to get more of an idea of how to take these ideas and plans that I have and them into action. Because I know that that's the part where I would be lacking uh, just because, you know, not having the experience and not having thought really in depth about, hey, what would you do if you want to encourage people to vote? Oh, you know me, I would talk to them because I'm a teacher. Let's have conversations about it and try to, you know, shift your ideas to see what you're thinking and move forward from there. Um, campaign wise, oh God, uh, whew. <laughs> What I will say, um, uh, comparatively speaking, I think like like I and to be honest, I talked about this. I was when Trump won the first election. I was on an airplane coming back from Thailand with other people, and we were having this conversation about him and Hillary. And I said, I said, if Trump wins the election, I will not be surprised. And I said because he had a great like it or like it or hate it mostly hate it but he had a great slogan it was catchy and it was simple and it appealed to the majority of america's of americans who it, it, it had appeal i'll just leave it at that mm -hmm. make america great again was a great campaign slogan it was whether you again right or wrong whatever it was great so i was not surprised because if you if you think about that campaign and then of itself it was everywhere. It had athletes wearing it. it. Pats were out. Shirts were out. It was everywhere. And it dominated everything. Jess, are you still there? 
I'm still here. Okay, and it did. So I wasn't surprised by that. Hillary, I, I'm with her. Was did not connect with everybody because I'm with her. Her that was a big. It just didn't connect. With, it was good. It was great, but it wasn't. So just from that, regardless of what happened, just from that, I was not surprised when he won. I think that that was the one thing they did. They marketed the hell out of Make America Great Again. For this election, there for me, just from being over here and what I've seen, there is, because I was still in Taiwan back then, and that's all I, I, I remember that and I know that. And everybody out, out here remember that and they knew that. They remember that slogan, that phrase. Here, there is nothing like that for either side. What it looks like from, from out here is just, it's Trump and Biden and they just two old white men trying to become president. Like nothing stands out about either candidate except all the bad things that we have that we can say that pre how President Trump handled COVID and all that stuff, um, and all the you know just the common sense bad things that we observe. But there is nothing that stands out like the Kamala Harris pick that stands out for Joe Biden, but Trump literally nothing stands out. Uh, so I think for both sides, I would just say they needed to have something other than a person, other than Kamala, to stand on their campaigns. And right now, there is nothing that stands out. And I'm, and I'm just talking from a from a larger scale, from a grander scale, right? If you get down to the politics, yes, there's stuff that stands out about where they want to go in certain directions, like stu student loans, cutting student loans. Just he should just ran on that platform, like, hey, cutting student loans, and that that's it, because that <laughs> that'd have been great. But there is just from being right, but from being out here, there there is nothing um, that really stands out about either candidate. Uh, in old white man and Kamala. Uh, just, yeah. So, I mean, for both sides, I just think that they needed something. Up, uh, and it can it also, it can't just be COVID. It, from being out here, the way I look, uh, my, uh, as an expat living in a place where uh, we are back, we don't have to wear masks anywhere anymore. It's business as usual. Um, they've, the government has handled COVID very, very well. Like, for, and I'm not speaking from just what I think, but I'm saying from some expats' perspectives, that isn't from an expat, that isn't, you know, a deal breaker as it is for people that are back, you know what I'm saying, in America. When I say a deal breaker, it's like it's not a, a top something that you're looking for feedback and commentary on because you're not living it daily from an expat's perspective. You know what I mean? So it's like I don't want to take away from COVID because it is real and it has affected people's lives. Like I have family members that have passed away from it too. But it's just from a political standpoint, neither one of them are running on like pushing this, I'm going to do positive things to affect people who are impacted by COVID. I'm not getting that message consistently because I feel like that should be one of the biggest messages because I know but COVID has messed up a most of the country in a lot of different ways. And I have not heard any ideas to turn the economy around to help small businesses bounce back. I haven't heard anything other than stimulus checks and throwing money at it. But like, I need programs. I need plans for actions, right? Like I need, that's what I want to, as an expat here and for people back home, that's what I want to hear more about. And it's not, it's, that's not it. It's time. It's yeah. the president got coronavirus the next day. It's Joe old. It's uh, it's, it's not, we're not talking about, it's not what country needs. Isn't being discussed nearly enough from either campaign. It's not being hammered home. Like I'm tired of hearing them debate about stuff that, that, that don't matter. People not answering questions, uh, talking about taxes and attacking one another. I don't want to see that. I don't care. I need to know when we're going to get these checks. I need to know what programs are you putting in place to help small businesses bounce back. I need to know what are we doing to combat COVID and when the country's going to open back up. What is your plan? Not what you want blue states to do, not what you want red states to do. What is the plan, man? Like, let me know so I can feel about you know the future of america and the future of the country that i may have to come back to so 
I would get a center around the most important thing that I feel about at this moment, which is getting the country back up and running on its feet 100%, not baby step way into it, not having one state doing this and another state not doing this. It's back on one unified front. So something, uh, a slogan or something I would run under is a unifying term, something that everybody can relate to that'll bring the country together. Like Barack Obama had hope. He had, yes, we can. Mm -hmm. Yes, we can. Yeah. Not I'm with her. I is very solo. You know what I mean? Yes, we can. And even, and I hate it, but America great again. That, that's everybody. And he's like, oh, if I make great for you, the black, like, it's for everybody. But Do you know Biden Harris campaign slogan? Carlo, can you hear me? Can have that, but um, that is uh, my opinion and perspective on that. So. Um, again, I want to thank <laughs> Chelsea for tuning in to the up oh, there, and she's back. Are you still? I'm here. I'm here. I have what? a really bad reception here, but I'm good. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think you're going in, and I, I couldn't. Okay. Okay. I'm yeah. here. Um, I think I think the whole channel kind of went out for a second because uh, people were texting in and saying that they couldn't hear us. But yeah. So yeah, what is a what is Biden Harris's campaign slogan? Do you know? Build back better. Really? Build back better? <laughs> really? Huh. That's that's interesting. That um, <laughs> the Biden Harris <laughs> slogan is build back better. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. Whew. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't I didn't know that and I build back better. Triple B's. Um, yeah, okay. Anyway, enough about politics. <laughs> oh man, Judge, we gotta we gotta talk after this. Um, yeah, so again, any any other questions or anything else you wanna add that we did that we missed out on? Um, I just want to say that I love you and that I'm so proud of you. And it truly is an honor to be back on this podcast. Um, and I, I hope I've done your your viewers and your listeners justice with the things that I've said. You know, I have anxiety around this. And so I, I just want to make <laughs> everyone proud and make sure that I've answered everyone's questions. If anybody has you know, questions about voting or how to cast their ballot, please go to vote.org. If you are interested in becoming a poll worker and being a part of this voting process, please go to uh, powerthepolls.org slash fair fight. I do believe that is right. I'm gonna make sure that that is right and send uh, Carl the, the link so that you guys can sign up to be poll watchers in your state. But I, I just love everyone and everything I do is for black and brown people, especially black people and black women. And Carl, I just love you so much, my God. And I love stalking you on social media and thank you for being, thank you for allowing me to be on your podcast today. 
And thank you so much for being a part of it. Again, truly an honor and a blessing and always a great time having you on the show. To answer the question, should expats being, living abroad be able to vote? I think it's a resounding yes. Um, thank you to everyone yes. that Chelsea and everything that you guys are doing, uh, boots on the ground to make sure that our votes matter and then our votes count, will not matter. Our votes count and our votes are counted and we're not being suppressed and oppressed and talked out of not voting because of the process seems daunting. So again, just thank you for everything that you shared today. It's a lot of great information that applies to both expats and those people living back at home and voting back at home and going through this process of choosing our the next leader of the free world. Um, uh, no pressure, but definitely a lot of pressure um, and very, very important. So again, thank you for being a part of the show. Uh, once again, everybody, if you have not done so already, if you want to become a patron of the Black Expat Podcast, please click on the Podbean app and click become a patron. It'll also be the only link in this description. Uh, Patreon Patrons get access to special content that I only make for my patrons. And they also get free t-shirts among some other selective gifts that I also give out. People become patrons. And this goes toward the support, the progress, and the upward mobility of the Black Expat Podcast. So again, thank you for being a treasured, wonderful, amazing guest, Chelsea. Thank you to everybody for listening. Once again, I'm Carl, the Black Expat. We out here.